0: Lots of girls have boyfriends, but I don't want one. That's perfectly okay. You know, in fact, it's long been a dream of mine that you never ever- It's because I think I might like girls, not boys. But I don't know, maybe I don't. It's just, I didn't want to tell you guys because I didn't want it to become a thing. Hey, Tess. Tess. Listen, we're your parents. We're here to help you. I know. In a very cool, laid-back kind of way without it becoming a thing. We love you. Other than two people who love you more than any two people could ever love anyone.
1: Welcome back to who and company episode 63 i'm brent and i'm drew hey we're back
2: (laughs) schoolwork and family stuff has forced us to take uh, a few months off but we're back and boy howdy do we have a show for you our guest this month is the senior producer at big finish and all-around nice guy david richardson David talks to us about his beginnings as a freelance writer for Doctor Who magazine, among many other publications, how he got involved with Big Finish, and how that awesome Doctor Who box set in your hands went from a random idea all the way to a finished
1: product. Then we're off to David's pick of the month, the massively successful Emmy Award winning NBC family drama, This Is Us. David shares why he loves the show, its unique and realistic format how the show's popularity differs in the UK, and how, if any show could possibly change the world, this would be it. And all that's coming up, right after this. Oh.
0: Hey! Kevin, what the hell? Why don't you answer your phone? Uh, I was on a date. Yeah, hi. <sighs> this is, t- this is a funny fact, I have a fat glass! Uh, yeah, hi. it's Toby, and it's a support group, but yeah, holy, wait, are you the Manny? Yes, I am, Toby. I, I was. Wait, what? You didn't check your phone, Twitter, Facebook, nothing? Wait, why? why? Well, you should. Because okay, what is, ha- what is happening? I want you to know you would have been proud of me, okay? I was the picture of artistic integrity. Could we do one without your shirt on?
1: Our guest this month was once a writer for Doctor Who magazine and is now senior producer at Big Finish, where he's been creating and overseeing award-winning projects for 15 years now. David Richardson, welcome to Who and Company.
3: Hello, uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, that, you know, I'd completely forgotten I wrote for Doctor Who magazine. That was <laughs> many, many years ago. Um, yeah, I, I did write a lot more for other magazines, actually. For Starburst, I edited and TV Zone, I, I created and edited that. So I, I do have a big background in sci-fi, TV and film magazines. Um, that was my career before I joined Big Finish. But thank you for reminding me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, how did you get involved with Doctor Who magazine? What sort of things did you do there?
3: Uh, gosh, it's, um, I'm winding back my life, actually. I mean, my, this is a long way of answering your question, but uh, my first proper job was working at the BBC. Uh, I had joined the BBC costume department uh, working in administration Um, I was working with people like June Hudson, um, Pat Godfrey, all the people who were working on Doctor Who. So this was in the mid-1980s, so a lot of the Doctor Who of the time was just happening all around me. So I got to be in the middle of kind of like that tornado of creativity that was the series in the 1980s. so that was, that was what I, I started doing initially. Then I moved into the makeup department and design and ended up working um, as the manager in a, as a manager in the camera department. Um, and I think I did about 10 years at the BBC. And during that time, I'd sort of been doing journalism bits off and on for visual imagination and Doctor Who magazine. And I think the first thing I did for Doctor Who magazine was an interview with Barry Newbury, who kindly unearthed a lot of his um, very rare designs and photographs for me. So I, I think Doctor Who magazine took me on mainly because I was a conduit to all the design designs and photos. I don't know if they particularly wanted me as a as a writer, um, but uh, yeah. So that that's in a nutshell my my first ten or fifteen years of my career.
1: Um, when did you first discover Doctor Who?
3: Um, it's always been in my life. I was born in 1963, so it's always been there as I've been growing up. My, my first sort of vague recollections of it are the late 1960s, but the first time it seared itself on my memory was with Spearhead from Space, oh. um, which I think scared me so much as a little 7 year old I didn't actually <laughs> get back to it for a year. Um, and then from sort of Katie Manning's debut onwards, I was, I was hooked. And I think sort of those first four or five years I was watching, I sort of became more and more interested in it. Um, until by the time Tom Baker came along, I was a, you know, very much a, a fan, as we would now call it. You know, when I was first watching the show and loving it, there, there wasn't an organised fandom. As there is now, you know, this is, this is the days when there was no internet connectivity. There were no fanzines. You, you know, the, the nearest you got to knowing somebody else was in Doctor Who, was maybe a mate at school. But uh, yeah, that was, my, that was my childhood connection with it.
2: I'm curious, uh did your family have a color television for Spearhead?
3: Not until... First thing I saw it was later in the 70s actually. No, the, for me, most of the 1970s into early Tom Baker were all seen in black and white. So oh, yeah. I, I didn't see any of the John Pertwee era in colour. Um it might have been something like the Rebus operation or something. We were very late getting a colour telly. But we did get we did get a video recorder early because I, I was such a fan by that stage, I wanted to video it.
1: So working at Doctor Who magazine, is is that what led you to uh, working at Big Finish?
3: No, I mean, with the, I, I was sort of a jobbing freelancer for Doctor Who magazine, so um, I didn't do that much for them. I was, after my BBC time, I did work full-time at a company called Visual Imagination, um, where I edited Starburst for them for a time, and I also sort of created various... Magazines for them, one of which was TV Zone, which was a cult TV magazine. Um, and I worked for Visual Imagination for about 13 years, and I'd known Nick Briggs since the 1980s, um, not that well, but I'd, I'd known him and known of him. Um, and then I, I can't remember how, but I started um, getting him to do film reviews for a magazine we did called Film Review. Um, and I guess when the job at Big Finish came up, Nick must have just thought of me and offered it to me. Um, and I was aware of Big Finish's work and just absolutely leapt on it. Mean, I, I did take I say I leapt on it. I took a few days to decide because I, I was really worried. I just didn't have the ability to do it because it just seemed so far out of my experience. Um, what the, the work I've been doing had been very... Um, organizational. Um, but I, I hadn't done anything that was creative in terms of creating a drama. Um, so there was quite a bit of handheld holding at the beginning. Um, but, um, yeah, I spent about two years sort of thinking I just couldn't do it and go all into depths of despair, but I think I got there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, this leads into a question that I've always very been been curious about is
3: what exactly does a producer do? Ah, that's a good question. Um, a producer is with a production from the very first inception um, to the point where the finished version signed off. Um, so generally, uh, the producer will be uh, not generally the producer will be there from the very first um, discussion of the content style and the ideas in it. Um, And it will depend from producer to producer, to project to project, how much an input the producer has in terms of what the story's going to be. Um, There have been things where I've just asked people for ideas. and We've we've made the ideas based on the writers and the script editors, or um, there are things where I've given quite a strict brief um, like on Stranded where um, I kind of got quite a clear idea of what I wanted from Stranded and Matt fittman and I uh, bashed out a serious plan for it and then we took that to the writers and they came back with their episodic ideas um, but the the idea of setting it in a house and being stuck on earth the idea of live and ten's relationship that had all sort of been nagging away in my brain for a quite a time um, so yeah there is uh, from projects as I say um, but the, the producer will then um, see it be across all the storylines with the script editor but be across all the scripts um, and at the point you get to recording generally the, the writers and the script editor step away at that point it's handed over to a director and then the producer is with the director seeing it through that recording stage, through the casting, um, and then into post-production, um, where we can spend three or four months in post-production. Um, you know, the sound designers and music- musicians do the most incredible uh, work. They're making audio films, basically. Yeah, um, We're through all of that process. And then um, when that's delivered to us, um, myself and the director... Uh, the director will mainly do the early drafts, and then I will come in later drafts. Uh, we will note um, that. In, you know, there'll always be little, little things that might need tweaking or adjusting. Um, so it's a year-long process, um, and you can have multiple things going on at the same time. So, um, you know, at the minute, when I finish this, I've, I've got a, a Zoom production meeting with a script editor and a writer, and we're going to kick off a new project, and that'll be from the very first um, genesis of it. Um, But also, you know, I'm just receiving um, final edits of things which I'll be signing off today. So it's just a sequence of spinning plates. But it's not just me. You know, we have um, well over a dozen producers working at Big Finish and dozens and dozens of projects. So there's lots of things going on at the same time.
2: So when you go into that project and you're overseeing it, is it three or four producers working on, uh, say, a six-episode 6, ser- six episode series? Would there be a producer, one producer for the entire run, or would it be multiple producers for different stories that you would then work I'd say generally on together? It's
3: one producer for the entire run. Um, it, it, it works better that way because you need that central person who keeps an eye on everything. I mean, you're looking at everything from um the creativity the creative side to um, the recording quality to the budget to the sound design it's you're through the whole whole process so I think it's one person generally across all series
2: so what's your favorite part of producing a story is is there do you have a favorite part
3: <clears throat> yeah I've, I mean I, I'm passionate about producing I've been doing it for, 15 years now and it's I I do absolutely love it um my favorite there's so many favorite parts I mean generally the recording day and being with the actors even if it's a remote session I mean I'm doing a lot of remote sessions at the minute where I'm linked in to the studio from home but even even if I'm not physically there just interacting with With actors who are so creative and just empathic people, just generally, Um, it's it's always fun. It's always interesting. It's always rewarding. So I I can't think of any studio days that just haven't been an absolute joy. Um, That's yeah. That's just one part of it. Um, But yeah, I I love the the creating ideas bit, you know, that's that's great fun, especially especially when it goes really well. I like did just, for example, when um, Ken and I, Ken Bentley and I were having thoughts about um, Doom Coalition, the Eighth Doctor series, um, and we were just sort of spitballing ideas that could work, and we were just literally walking to the studio along um, the, the canal, there's a beautiful canal that runs along North London towards the studio, and suddenly it came to my head about doing a, a character called The Eleven, who had 11 characters. And it, it, it's just those moments where you sort of think of something that maybe hasn't been done before and is just a bit different, and then you don't know if anybody else is going to lash onto the idea or you know, does it just appeal to me or will people see it? hear the story and, and hate the idea. You just don't know. Um, and I was, you know, I've just continually been delighted that he's a character that's endured and so brilliantly played by Bob Um, mm-hmm. And people have loved him.
1: Yeah, it's a great character. Um, have you gone so far as to write any of these ideas uh, in a story yourself?
3: No, I went through a stage when I thought I might try my hand at writing, but then I just thought other people will do it better than me. Um, I thought the writing is really hard. I, I know lots of people want to write their own stories um, and want to be, want to, met, to have that Doctor Who script of their own that they've written. Um, I'm, I'm not sure I'm that worried about that anymore. I, I just take delight in Working with brilliant writers who do something far better than I could ever do. What's, what's the point of me giving myself work, writing it, some, writing something that just wouldn't really be as good as something John Dorney or Matt Fitton or Tim Foley or or anybody else would? You know, they're, they're the people who should be doing it, not me.
2: See, this is when we start talking about writers, uh, you know, and uh, they're <laughs> being able to do it. I am kind of curious too about um, that moment where you pitch an idea and then you you do so in front of the writers and that moment where the writers latch on to the ideas that you have and then expand on them. How, what is that like to take have an idea of your own but then share that process too and like to see it just kind of grow and blossom from this point where sort of where you started it and then where it
3: finishes or big finishes as it were. And, and they always make something better of it than I will suggest. And actually, if it's an idea that's not that great or not workable, um, I can trust them to say, "Nah, that's 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 no good. They can't do that." Um, and then, you know, we'll we'll leave it be. But I, I, there are there are so many projects we work on where I I don't. Um, Put my ideas into the mix you know I'm, I'm very happy to to leave it with the writers it's just if if something strikes me as a good idea um you know it's the sort we just have the sort of working atmosphere where everybody is free to throw in a good idea really
1: you have a variety of different projects that you are working on and uh i was i was gonna say uh when i was a kid i was a huge fan of the equalizer which was edward woodward which is Fun to say, uh, and I've just discovered the show Callan about three months ago, and I've been watching those. Those are really good, and um, I have heard the first big finish audio of that. That's great. Um, I was wondering. I know you asked this all the time. Are there any projects left that you'd like to do that you haven't done? Because I know you've wanted to do Tinko with uh, Louise jameson for a long time.
3: Yeah, I do. I would. I'd love to do Tinko. I don't think it will ever happen. Um, I think there's a sense that what was made on television those 30, 31 episodes, uh, are just perfect. Okay. So why why would you go back there and you know it might it might not be as perfect? There's always that danger. So um, I, I can't see I can't see us doing Tenko. I mean I'm very lucky in that my Wish list of things I'd wanted to do. I, I think probably I've pretty much exhausted it. <laughs> doing, doing Time Slip, which was a series I loved as a kid.
1: Yeah, um, that's a good show. Um,
3: yeah, I, I, I don't feel as though any stone has been unturned. Um, Soap, the American comedy series Soap, <gasps> <I love> that.
1: <laughs> That's one of the funniest sitcoms ever.
3: Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it'll, never, it'll never happen. But um, that's, that's about all that's left that I'd want to do.
2: <laughs> There's such a phenomenon of knowing that you have access to something that you find to be almost untouchable, that you get a chance. Maybe it's just the ego involved, that you get your chance to have your fingerprints on something that you really loved, either as a child or as an adult. But then to realize that Maybe expanding on that isn't going to benefit the actual IP uh, in the long run. Like, I know there's got to be projects where someone's like, We could, we, you have the ability to do this. And you're like, I don't, I don't know what you could possibly do to make it better. And then, of course, there are people who are like, I know exactly what to do to make it better. And I, so I, I suppose uh, it kind of goes both ways. And you've had a chance to at least. Uh, dip your toes into a, quite a few of those, to, to kind of play around with it, which is very impressive.
3: Absolutely, um, and also, I don't, I don't know. I don't. I think, I, I think I'm quite good at recognizing when I put in all I can to something. So, mm-hmm. you know, for example, I did Blake Seven for a, for a while, quite a lot of the Liberator Chronicles, then around run of the forecasts. Um, but I loved the series, and I loved doing it, but. I did reach the point where I thought, actually, it's time for somebody else to have their ideas now, because there are only so many times I can find things to do in that series. So I think we've had three other producers come on to play 7 since me, and they've they all had brilliant ideas, that it's, you know, it's run and run. So, um, yeah, I think it's important to know if, you know, there's a possibility you might run out of steam and, and sort of... Step back before you do that and let somebody
2: else have a chance. I imagine that is an incredible skill to have and a very important one to have as a producer.
3: Well, possibly. It might just be neuroses on my part. (laughs) 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 Plenty of that, don't you worry.
0: Why are you pretending not to know this stuff, huh? Getting bees in math, not letting people see how smart you are. I don't want to be different from them. Different from who? who? The kids at school? If I get an A, I'll get ice cream and Kate and Kevin will And then they'll hate me. Can I be honest with you, man to man? You know, your mom and me, we always try to treat you kids the same. Always have. Hasn't always worked because, well, you're not all the same. You're adopted, and we don't talk about that enough. Because to me, you are every part my son. Maybe I, I don't want you to feel like you stand out, but I need you to know something. I want you to stand out. I want all of you to be as different as you can possibly be in all the best ways. I love you as much as a human heart can, kiddo. You are an exceptional young man.
2: Well, here's the thing we're talking about television. Doctor Who certainly invites this uh, uh, kind of infinite possibilities of storytelling, but this is a show about Doctor Who, and we do like inviting fans to talk about it. But we also know that Doctor Who is not the end all and be all of our our fans fandom so we'd like to have our guests bring on a non-doctor who show to discuss so david what did you want to discuss with us
3: today gosh i love so much television um it was really hard for me to choose one but i i think it would have to be this is us which is a series that is pretty much unknown in the uk well i say unknown i mean it's it's on disney plus and it's on amazon prime but i know very few people who watch it and i know in the, in the us it's a massive phenomenon and a huge rating success here they tried showing it on one of the smaller channels and then just kept nudging it back in the time slots until it ended up at about 11 o'clock at night for the first series because nobody was watching it and then they just pulled it and it went to streaming services um, so it, just hasn't collected largely in the UK. Um, and I think it's one of the most brilliant things ever. Um, there are, I meet occasional people at Big Finish who absolutely love it. Um, I know Louise Jameson loves it. I know Nicola Bryant loves it. Um, there are lots of people who we sit around talking about it. Racky Thackeray loves it. Yes, we've had long conversations about it. Um, but Generally, but there are very few people you meet in the streets who have ever even heard of it. Um, and it's just the most phenomenal, exquisite and detailed series I think I've ever seen. And I'll tell you why, actually. One, one of the most amazing things about it, um, is so, this takes my breath away as someone who... Works in series where we plan out story arcs over time. Um, they have a six year run of episodes, so six series, and then everything is tied together so intricately. So it means they must have known from that very first series the entire arc of what they were going to do. And they keep coming back to it, and so they will go back to sequences. And they will film add-ons, so something you saw in series one you will see again in series six, but they'll show you the lead into it and just the continuity nightmares and the just everything about it is it's just breathtaking
2: Well assume that some of our listeners are from the UK and perhaps they're not familiar with the program itself. How would you describe this is us to someone? say elevator pitch, you want to suggest this, you think, you know, if this person is going to love the show. How do you describe it to them uh, as, you know, as quickly, but as also in a way to convince them to watch it?
3: so hard because going into the first episode, you don't know what it's about, which again is a genius stroke. You don't actually find out what the format of this is as is until the very final moments of that first episode. So, I would have hated to know that before seeing the first episode, but it's just, it's something, it's a drama about people's lives. Um, and it touches upon everything. It touches upon dementia and death. I'm not really saying it here, but it's not, it's not pressing. <laughs> it, 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 alcoholism, everything is covered. It, it, it touches upon the pandemic in a way I've not seen done on television. Anywhere else, I, you know, they 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 do a whole series where a lot of the actors are wearing face masks, um, and they they cover race beautifully. Um, it it in a way that makes me as a white man watching the series just completely cry and look at myself and how I. Think about the world and how high I handle race myself. Um, it's so provocative and so clever and so real. Um, it's yeah. It just holds a really special place in my heart. Um, I, I, you know, I don't. I don't think television could change the world, but um, that series, mine, If mm-hmm. anybody watched it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of which. Uh, if it's so difficult to find in the UK, how did you first get introduced to it? Did you watch it when it first aired in the UK or did you happen to be over the States? Or?
3: Yeah, it, it aired on Channel 4 here at about nine o'clock in the evening. And then, as I say, it just kept slipping back in the schedule until it was almost 11 o'clock. Um, and then I just continued with it on streaming services. But by we got it very behind the US at, for most of its run. Um, but... In recent years, um, it, it's caught up. We've been watching pretty much day and date with the U.S. So oh. uh, it, I didn't get spoiled by it.
2: <laughs> That's huge. That's such a, a difficult thing to do, especially for uh, U.S. Doctor Who fans who, uh, when the new series came back on, just it was so easy to get spoiled because we had a year basically before we could get a chance to watch it. So
3: We, we have a similar thing now with uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds in that, we are, I think, several episodes behind. We've only Paramount Plus only launched here two weeks ago, last week, I think. Um, so we've only got the first four episodes so far. Um, so yeah, it's just trying to avoid spoilers online, even from Paramount themselves, which just get shared around Twitter. It's um, yeah, it's quite soul destroying.
2: Yeah, for some reason, social media doesn't feel that. Um, anything on Paramount Plus is... uh, uh, (laughs) I feel like I've I've been spoiled for everything. Like, every show that is on Paramount Plus, everyone's like, you know what? Not that many people have it. Let's just go ahead and post it online. It's terrible. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm caught up as far as you are with Strange New Worlds. Um, But I am enjoying it. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, So I I am curious. You talk about um, This Is Us being able to potentially change the world. Mm what was it that drew you into watching it for the first time? Did you see a trailer for it, or is it because of the actors? I mean, the cast is superb. And uh, was it the showrunner who who created it? Anything in particular?
3: Uh, Actually, it it might partly have been the showrunner. Um, I was a big fan of Kenilin's work. Um, So I had seen 30-something. I'd seen him in Hill Street Blues. Um, Always thought... He was attached to brilliant projects. I'm pretty sure that I first found out about it through Entertainment Weekly because I had a subscription to that. Was that was still going? Um, But you know, I I only had to watch five or ten minutes to be completely hooked by it.
1: Yeah, uh, my wife and I have been watching this show since it first aired, and um, we love it. The writing on here is just so realistic. Um. And I found a bit of myself in just about every character on here. Um, and like you said, one of the things that really stood out for me was the six-year plan that uh, Dan Fogelman had. And you, you got to see that plan uh, play out through its entirety. Um, and I don't remember another show being able to do that, to my knowledge. I, I know Babylon 5 was meant for five years, but when it got to that fourth year, they were like, we don't know we're going to have a fifth year. So they crammed... Uh, year four and five into season four, and then when they got to five, they were like, Oh, we got to make up some stuff. So, uh, it didn't quite work out.
3: And also, cha- I think plans were changed as it went along because different characters came in. Um, Bruce Poxlight, they came in, of course, which changed quite a lot of the right. The- um, that kind of change is not necessarily a bad thing, quite often, it. Inspires writers and creatives to do something brilliant. I, I certainly think when things have happened like that a Big Finish, if something's had to change and you've suddenly had to get yourself together and make something happen very quickly, quite often you end up with something that's quite magical that, you know, you've just, suddenly everybody's thrown themselves into and you've emerged you out to the other end, and end in an adrenaline rush. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we uh, found out uh, that you wanted to talk about this show about a month ago. And and so my wife and I were a few episodes behind. So we've been cramming in the last few
3: <laughs> before
1: right. I talked to you today. And so, you know, we've had the Kleenex out and uh, we've been oh, watching no. <laughs> the last few just finished up yesterday. So, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. A- the, the, the penultimate episode actually is the is the breaking one. I yeah. Yeah. the the, the way it also ends perfectly it's so hard to end something that makes everybody happy and I, i think they they just did everything right
2: it doesn't hurt that it's a rating success and that i think by series three they knew they could have six seasons like they were renewed for three full extra seasons of what i think 18 episodes per so knowing going into that, that you're not one of those, it could end this year, it could end this year, how do we keep it? But knowing that you have three years, that gives you a lot of leeway to figure out how to end it. Because um, I don't think any series starts knowing how it's going to end.
3: No. No, it gave them also the luxury of the journey and the journey for all the characters is so beautifully mapped out. Um, I, I agree with you, actually. If, if they had had to finish after year three, then the series would be very different because it just wouldn't have had the, the culmination where it's heading. Um I don't give any spoilers away. But, uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds like both of you have been watching it from the beginning, at least when you were allowed to. I'm going to go ahead and just say I watched the first episode this morning, uh, the pilot episode, for the first time. Um it was popular enough, it was a bit on the on everyone's tongue sort of when it came out six years ago, that I had an idea and I knew what the conceit of that the series was, but I forgot about it. So waking up at 6 in the morning this morning and watching it, I was completely caught off guard by the last five minutes of the episode. I also cried three times in the pilot. <laughs> um, and not in the places that you would have thought. I, I get trig- Emotional triggers are very different, and it's the same character in every scene. Um, I, I will say, and I have no idea if this character comes back, but the doctor at the hospital, the older oh, doctor yeah. at the hospital... Um, there's a, a real naturalistic uh, delivery, uh, just how it's written. But the doctor of the hospital just sort of like every once in a while, I go, I wish I could have that part. Not because it's exciting or it's glamorous, it's a starring role, but I think it's just kind of interesting. And I don't know what it is about this guy, uh, really drew my drew me in, and uh, I <laughs> like I just found myself crying every time he was talking. He has such good lines, uh, so. Yeah, interesting. interesting treated. show. We do. Good, 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 good. Yeah, it, it it's one of those things where it's like, yes, I've watched one episode uh, for all six seasons. I've, I've watched the pilot, and that's it. Uh, I have no idea where it goes. I have no idea how it ends. I know one thing about the middle of, I guess, season two or so, because at one point in time, social media would just talk about uh, defective hot... Uh, what do they call slow cookers? Uh, And that was a a thing for a little while. Not going to spoil what that has to do with anything, but like, you know, I I learned that, but uh, it's, it's an interesting thing to, to look at it and go, do I want to commit to six seasons of this program? And and I always say that I'm going to watch the show, Uh, but I don't know. There, there's a podcast out there called too long. Didn't watch where they, they bring a guest on. They watch the first episode of a series Then they're asked how they think the show is going to progress. And then they watch the last episode of a series. And they're asked retroactively, what do they think? They ask questions about it. Uh, And I kind of feel like I'm in that scenario where it's like, (laughs) maybe I just go and read the Wikipedia articles and read all of it. I don't know if I can handle, based off of just the pilot, I don't know if I could handle that emotional (laughs) journey at this point in time. I think the
3: emotional aspect of it is one of its big appeals, though, because let's face it, the world today is so dark. Mm -hmm. um, We're not in a good place. And yet that series is like a sort of an emotional bomb, in a way. I Mm -hmm. I know everybody I talk to who watches it finds that they just find it an incredibly comforting experience to watch watch every episode. Um, Because I, I I guess... we all need that emotional release, don't we? You know, we, it's it's all pent up in all of us and just having a good week at a, a telly show, I mean, yeah, so, so, so what? Let's, you know, <laughs> it makes us better after an hour of it. That's good. And, but, you know, the reason we have such an emotional reaction to it is because it is so real. And as I say, it, it, it gets into the death of, one of the major characters um, throughout its run. Um, and generally, you know, that death is treated really flippantly in stories, you know, so across all genres. You know, science fiction, we kill people off and then bring them back again. Um, action movies, people are just dispatched all the time. It's very rare for a drama to handle subject like death and just say this is a part of life you know this you will you will encounter this in your life and we'd, we're never prepared for death um in by society um it's you know I, I, my dad just died about um two weeks ago and i went to see him just before the end and nothing really prepared me for the state he was in and I'm watching him fade away because it's just not it's just really not covered in life. You know, you just you just don't experience it on TV or in books. Um, so you know it's just only one reason why I think this is so special because it will it will take something like that and say, you know, this is this is how it happens. It's not pretty, but this is something you will experience if you haven't already. Um, and you know I, I do realize the way I've spoken about series is in the, in this interview um, might not sell it to some people you know lots of people just want escapism um, and you know it has escapist um, storytelling in it but also it's very very real
1: it is uh, one of the things that appeals to me also is the uh, the format of the show and without without spoiling too much uh, it's more it's more of a, a theme. Every week rather than uh, what happens this week what happens this week it's more of a theme and it it does jump across different timelines so I uh, that, that's very unique in that storytelling
3: mm. yeah I I would I would love to steal that in something but um, <laughs> it's very difficult to do I mean which is why just hats off to them for actually making it work
1: Warriors Gate 2
3: <laughs> yeah okay i'll get on to
1: that uh this is very much a character driven series so was there one character that you related to the most
3: oh that's interesting no actually no but i <laughs> i don't know if any of them i sort of thought that person's like me or that was part of the appeal of it. Actually, they they were very different from me, so I felt like I was discovering different types of people. That's true.
1: I got that too. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, Brent, you had said that you had felt uh, a, a kind of a kinship with a lot of the characters. Or as you um, earlier on? Is there was there someone that you you uh, related to?
1: Well, I did love every single character on the show because they're so well written and they're fleshed out over six years. Um, but I am 100% Randall, and my wife is 100% Beth. Because <laughs> um, Randall's very book smart, but he lacks a little common sense here and there. Uh, and, and Beth is truly his other half, because she grounds him and calls things out to his attention that he's not noticing. And that's totally us. Um, uh, he's anxious. He overthinks things. He's got dad jokes, which, you know, uh, and, and very protective of his family. So I do see a lot of myself in him, especially the dad jokes.
3: <laughs> I, have to say, I think if anybody was sitting down at a network and thinking of doing a spin-off show for This Is Us, um, Randall's family is is the strand you'd follow. Yeah. Which is, it's no. that's no comment on any of the other characters or actors in it, but um, there's just something very special about the The actress who plays Beth and I can't remember her name. I, I just, I, she's just phenomenal. Actually, it's in, yeah, yeah. it's one of those series where um, I don't actually want to know that they're actors. You know, they're just real people to me. Mm.
2: Susan Kolechi Watson. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 And and uh, like you were saying before, it deals with sensitive subjects head on and realistically, um, like divorce and death and raising children, uh, but deeper issues too, like Randall having conflicting feelings of being uh, a black man in a white family. Things that you don't, um, you know, issues that are important to uh, to show that perspective to people who can either relate to it or, or learn about it, if you haven't experienced that before, which I did.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah that, As I say, that was beautifully done and really well-timed, actually, in terms of doing a storyline like that. It's it's actually, I think, to challenge your viewership in that way and make them look at themselves and think how they think or conduct themselves. It's 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 something unique, I think. The television doesn't challenge us enough. And if it, uh, you know, there are lots of things that do challenge us probably people turn off, but I think this is has found a way of doing things that are provocative but actually retain the viewership. or certainly in the US. I don't yeah. know what it is about the Brits or they couldn't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> as far as characters, I be mean, clearly I didn't have enough exposure to the program to to have one that I related to. Um I, I like I said, I like the doctor, seemed really cool. Uh Justin Hartley, um That was an interesting. Like, I think, I think there's. If I, if I'm being honest, I'm trying to think of what storyline, just based off the pilot, I wanted to see progress. And I don't. I'm not sure which one I found the most compelling. And I I think that's the the key too. Is I found all of them equally compelling. Um, and I am I am curious. I'm really trying to figure out whether or not I'm I'm going to invest the time to watch it or if I want (laughs) to just read it because. As we all know, it's one of those things that we keep on coming back to on this podcast is there's so much good mm-hmm. television. It's television like this This shift because no one tells small stories anymore uh, in, in uh, film. Like everything is it's it's it really demonstrates that film is so much more of a business and everyone is just trying to get people into the theater. So it's almost all superhero movies and, you know cheaply made horror films that that get a lot of attention but for brief and kind of the fade but like the the smaller independent films that we used to love from like the 80s and 90s that were all about character dramas all of that's moved to television yes. uh, and there's we have so we're spoiled for choice because i i do want to watch more Star Trek and I do want to watch uh, you know, certain comedies and then a show like this where I feel like I'm going to be confronted with things that make me think and feel, there's a little bit of hesitancy on my part because I've got enough going on with the world that is, especially the last couple of years, have made me think and feel a lot. But David, I really like the idea. I keep on coming back and thinking of the word that you use, which is balm, um, where it makes you feel it confronts you, but it also makes you feel good about it. And, um, a couple of shows recently, like the good place have made me confront certain issues, but it's also done it in a way that it feels, it makes me feel good. I'm trying to think there's another one that, uh, that was out fairly recently. That was just, it makes you feel good like watching it. And that's really nice. It's a feeling that I don't get from TV. I, I I am, I have been pure escapism for the last three or four years. Mm -hmm. Um, so, it is at least giving me some second thoughts about maybe kind of exploring this in the, in the, in the future. See where you are with it. I mean, you're more than welcome, welcome to. I'm in grad school. So, in a month, I'm still going to be in grad school. So, I, I don't get to do uh, much in the way of exploration of of hobbies or, or fun things, at least until the fall. But um, yeah, certainly certainly check we'll check back in on the next episode and see if i've i've um kind of progressed any further one of the things occasionally we've been doing is talking about how um because it's a doctor who podcast how doctor who could um potentially mix with the the show the pick of the month and you know you actually with the way the show is formatted it wouldn't be difficult to to slip doctor who in there. Uh, it, it seems like, at least from the conversation and, and from that first episode, but
3: yeah, I mean, the, uh, I said one, the one way I do always describe this is us. I think it's the most high-concept television series that isn't sci-fi. Yeah, it does. It does something that genre television tends to do, but it does it in a straight drama. Um, and I think what Doctor Who often does is high-concept storytelling, but it Brings in straight drama as well as all the fantasy, so I, I, there is crossover there. I think you know the, a lot of a lot of the the TV stuff in Doctor Who is um, it's very real character storytelling. It's just real people in unreal situations.
2: I think that's your elevator pitch right there. I think <laughs> I think that distillation's a real, like if you got in an elevator and said, I have a show for you, said what you just said, I, I think I would be really intrigued. <laughs> uh, before we let you go, is there anything that you would like to plug? Any upcoming projects that you can talk about? Because I know there's probably a ton that you can't. Uh,
3: um, I, th- I, I, I don't know. I, th- I, I, I wouldn't plug anything so um, shamelessly I can talk about things that I love and inspire me um, but one of those I'm, I'm pretty sure I can talk about is we, uh, we've just finished in the last week recording um, some more stories with Paul McGann, Nickel Walker and Hattie Moraha, um who are just the most delightful people and just so brilliant to work with and just group of scripts that covered the gamut of making us laugh out loud and we there's one story we sat there in tears during the recording of it um yeah. <laughs> it's it was just so powerful so it, it's that's something that's very much been in my mind recently which we just moving that off into post-production now and uh, yeah I'm highly confident that Listeners are going to love that because it just felt very special when we were recording. I'm
2: sure we're all looking forward to uh giving that a listen. Yeah. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us this month. Thank you. Really nice to talk to you. And thank you for joining us for Who and Company. Who and Company, come for the fandom. Stay for the company.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks for joining us at Who and Company special shout out to pixel who for providing our logo they can be found at facebook.com slash pixel who who and company can be found on iheartradio.com and spotify or you can download the show directly from whoandcompany.libsyn.com contact us on twitter at whoandcompany support the show on patreon.com slash whoandcompany or email us at whoandcompany at yahoo.com thanks and see you next month